Grace and mercy and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Dutch collector Nick Vermeulen has one of the world's strangest collections. He holds the Guinness World Record for the most airline sickness bags, or as they're more colloquially called, airplane barf bags. Uh, he started collecting them in the 1970s. And for the record, he showed his collection of 6,290 bags from 1,191 different airlines from almost 200 different countries. Nick's favorite bag, he told reporters, was one that had spent 16 days in space aboard the space shuttle Columbia. Turns out there's, there's actually a whole community of airline sickness bag collectors. You can connect with them online. You can meet up with them at swaps. Uh, it's kind of fascinating and bizarre. I, I can't help but think that something so insignificant with so ignoble a purpose it is an awfully strange thing to treasure. But don't we all have a, a lot of strange things that we treasure? As I was reading this story, I was sitting in my basement, and right next to me there was a, a box of uh, spare parts from old electronic devices. You never know when you might need a spare capacitor, right? Uh, we, we could certainly simplify our lives a whole lot. If we could just get rid of all the extra stuff that we accumulate in our houses and our garages and our basements. Uh, but so often when we do try to, to clean out things, we find ourselves looking through those boxes, finding stuff that we, we haven't seen in ages, and, and, and looking at it before putting it back in the box, saying, oh, I, I could never get rid of that. There might be a lot of different reasons that we, we save certain things in our lives or, or consider them treasures. But, but our Lord Jesus tells us that even as we hold onto those things and the memories and the feelings that go with them, we need to remember that they won't last forever. The Stoics, those were people who believed that we, you shouldn't have any emotional attachment to any, anything in life whatsoever. Christians don't have to be like that. Ascetics are people who renounce all material comforts. They, they certainly wouldn't collect barf bags. Christians don't have to be ascetics either. But they do have to have a realistic, big-picture view. They do have to remember what is most important in life. Followers of Jesus have their treasure in heaven. Today's sermon text is connected to what we heard last week. Both were from Luke chapter 12, and both are part of one big discourse where Jesus talks about wealth. In the first part, Jesus warned against greed. 
The love of money destroys many people. And, and when Jesus warns us against the love of money, he's not just talking about cash, of course. He's talking about all worldly wealth, whether that wealth comes in the form of a, of a bank statement or a, a big house or nice car or, or whatever sorts of odd collections that you might have. It doesn't even have to be all that valuable in terms of, of real money. But we really need to ask, why is it that we love all this worldly stuff so much in the first place? And Jesus teaches us that the answer is really so often rooted in worry and fear. Why worry about food and clothes? It's because on some level, I'm afraid that I won't have enough. Why cling to my money and hesitate to be generous? Well, it's because I'm, I'm afraid there won't be enough for me and, and for my comforts and for my happiness. Why do I refuse to get rid of objects that, that sometimes barely even have sentimental value, much less monetary value? Because I'm afraid that by losing them, I might lose a piece of myself. Jesus approaches this most human issue in a most reassuring way. This is what he says. Do not be afraid, little flock, because your father is pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide money bags for yourselves that do not become old. A treasure in the heavens that will not fail where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's worth noting the kind of tone that Jesus takes in addressing this. He, he certainly could have taken a different approach. He could have expressed anger over the, the foolishness of mankind that clings to worthless goods. We're so in love with our stuff that we even think about how we could take it to the grave with us, like the pharaohs of Egypt packing their tombs full of all their, their favorite golden items, most prized possessions. But instead of being angry at us for our small-mindedness, for our love of worldly wealth and sentimental relics and, and bizarre and useless collections, Jesus gently turns us away from the worries and fears that so often surround those things, and instead he directs us to something far more sure. Your father is pleased to give you the kingdom. Well, what an amazing statement that is. It describes who God is, what his attitude is towards you, and what he does for you. He, he's your father who loves you and, and cares for you. He's pleased with you. He gives you a kingdom, an, an unfathomable kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. But why? Why would God call himself my father? Why would he be pleased with me? Why would he give me such great things? I have been small-minded and greedy. I haven't always been generous in my gifts to him or to other people. 
I haven't always loved him, even as much as some of the dumb things that I've collected in boxes in my basement. And not only that, but I've been proud of all that stuff. People sometimes look at, at all the, the, their lives and all the blessings that they have, and they, they say with a sort of false humility, God, what have I done to deserve all this? The, the implication is, I, I must be even better than I think I am. But the, the, the real answer is, Nothing. You, you've done nothing to deserve God's love. Jesus is the one who accomplishes all of this. God isn't your father because he has to be, because he has no choice. No, he's your father because he sent his only begotten son in his undeserved love to take your place. Where you are rich, Jesus was poor. He didn't have a house. He didn't have a, a good-paying job. He didn't even have a collection of barf bags. He became poor for your sake, to take your sins of worldliness on himself and to point you to that lasting kingdom. He came to suffer and die for you so that you could live there in peace and joy forever. God is your father because Jesus, the Son of God, has made you sons of God. God is pleased with you because in Jesus, your sins are forgiven, destroyed on the cross, erased forever. God gives you the kingdom of heaven because it's a kingdom that has been prepared by Jesus for you. When you have Jesus, you don't really need anything else. That, that doesn't mean that you need to give up all that you have and go live in a cave somewhere. After all, God is the one who richly and daily provides you with clothing and shoes, food and drink, property and home, spouse and children, land, cattle, and all you own and all you need to keep your body in life. But what it does mean is that as you go through life, you can always keep those earthly goods in their proper place. Through them, you can rejoice in God's goodness to you. With them, you can give generously and provide for the needs of others. And if disaster strikes, floods, fires, storms, you won't despair. Your real treasure is in heaven. It cannot be destroyed. It cannot be taken away. Not even by death. St. Lawrence was a man who lived in Rome in the 200s AD. Emperor Valerian heard that Lawrence was distributing money and goods from the Christian church to the poor. And so he demanded that the riches of the church be turned over to him. Lawrence asked for three days to gather it. During that time, he gave everything away. And then on the third day, he brought before the Roman prefect the poor, the crippled, the blind, and he declared, these are the true treasures of the church. For this act of defiance, Lawrence was sentenced to death by being grilled over hot coals 
But even this horror, he uh, approached with cheer, even with uh, morbid humor, so that before he died, he cried out, I'm done on that side, turn me over. It, it, it didn't matter how much the emperor hated him. He could not take from him Christ. He could not take from him the treasure he had in heaven. So Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And he explains what that means. It's not all that different, difficult to figure out what's important to people if you just observe their lives. Our lives are, are centered around the things that are important to us. Do you spend your time going to airline sickness bag swap meets? Or maybe you never miss a game with your favorite sports team. Maybe it's your work that is all-consuming. Or maybe it's books or your favorite form of electronic entertainment. But, dear brothers and sisters, never forget what your greatest treasure is in heaven. Be like the servants in Jesus' parable who are always watching for their master's return. Prepare your heart with the word of God, with the washing of baptism. Keep your lamps burning with prayer and meditation. Stay alert with the refreshment of the Lord's Supper. The master is coming, and what a joyful day that will be when the doors of the mansion he has prepared for you are flung wide open. We all know that this life won't last forever. Be wise about the things that you hold on to. Be generous with those in need. But most of all, followers of Jesus have their treasure in heaven. Do not worry and do not be afraid. Your Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.